Hi, folks. Welcome to the Doppler Podcast, your source for news, views, and the opinions from the ever-changing world of cloud computing. Our mission is simple, to help you navigate your career journey with the best advice, tips, techniques from those who have found success in the cloud-first world. The podcast is brought to you by Cloud Technology Partners, an HPE company. My name is Brad Loomis. And this is Robert Christensen. Hey, Robert. How are you today? Super excited about our topic today. Oh, I'm looking forward to it as well, folks. So we have a very special episode teed up for you. And in being in this space, we all have to agree that uh, being face-to-face with clients as a uh, primary method of interaction, I mean, honestly, it's how you build trust, camaraderie. It's honestly how you get things done. Therefore, in our world, right, uh, we have to get to the client and how we do that and what we do, when we do, and all the fun that surrounds it uh, is what we're going to cover today. And we're fortunate enough to have a rejoining guest, uh, Gary Sloper. Gary, why don't you give a little intro on what you yeah. do? Yeah, thanks, Brad. Good to be back. Uh, Gary Sloper here. I work for Oracle uh, in the Oracle Cloud Infrastructure Group. Uh, we were acquired uh, just over two years ago. I worked for a company called Dyn. And uh, I run the solution architect and customer success team for uh, a specific edge division. So thanks for having me. Ah, thanks, Gary. So actually, this uh, came on uh, in regards to some of the conversations we had last time. And uh, Robert has spent a fair amount of time in the space and actually he's putting some pen to paper on this whole topic for us. So Robert, why don't you, why don't you tee us up for the conversation today? Thanks, Brad. And hey, Gary, thanks for joining us, man. This is a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, about, I want to say about three and a half, four years ago, you know, I really did notice how many people are traveling. It's, it's every flight's full. Um, you know, people are fairly stressed out. Uh, going between airplane to airplanes. All the seats are tightly packed together. And unless you've got some kind of status or something like that, you're pretty much cattle card. Um, and then it all came to a head one time when I was in the San Francisco airport and uh, I was just waiting for my flight to Orange County. And it was in a United terminal. And I watched this 45-year-old guy have a full-on three-year-old meltdown right right in the middle of the, of the, the concourse there. You know, there's probably two or 300 people watching him and doing, you know, United this and they did that and blah, blah, blah. And there's, you know, he was using a, a number of expletives that uh, I'll save for over a beer with somebody, but the, <laughs> they were not good. And so while he's having this meltdown, I'm just watching him and going, oh my God. And so he swings around and he sees me. We make eye contact. I see that he sees me and I give him one of those what are you doing looks? You know, Brad and Gary, you know what I'm talking about. That look that you give to your kids when you know they're messing up and they see that you see. <laughs> okay. You yeah, guys both know what I'm yes. talking about, right? right? Oh, Absolutely. It's a look, right? And you can't, you cannot just like, really, buddy, what are you doing? And he shut down immediately. He recognized what he was doing. And the problem was that he was locked in it. He was, he was in the cycle of that whole emotional feed and every part of his normal day-to-day demure was gone. And it really triggered me. And I said to myself, you know, um, I've been, I was kind of like given these courses at CTP about how to survive travel as a consultant. You know, it was like the 10 best things you can do to get uh, to survive travel. And I always used to say, I fly on time airlines. And everybody would say, you know, Brad specifically, you would say, what are you talking about? It, this was the comment you always said to me, what's on time airlines. Yep. And, and I 
would say it's the airline that I'm flying. And, you know, everybody go, oh, that's funny, that's funny. And I go, you don't understand. The attitude you bring is the attitude you have. Yeah. And unless yeah. you bring a positive forward motion attitude, you will always be forever stuck into, yes, I'm bumped. It's a crappy way to live. All these things that happen. So this is a very much a contextual thing. So I decided to start collecting a whole bunch of these stories about how people who survive, not only survive business travel, but thrive in it. And I'm, and I'm talking about people who I know who travel every week, who do 150, 200,000 miles, either domestically or internationally. How do they come out the other side actually better than when they started? And that's the whole point of the book. It's called The Zen of High Performance Travel. And so I started collecting all these stories and I would start assembling all these stories from what people who do high performance travel do to maintain any kind of a Zen state or a, a, a state that allows them to get through the travel experience. So that's how it got going, Brad. So uh, in the collection of all this data, right? Because as you know, we're pretty much data driven at this point. Yeah. What are some of the uh, recurring themes that you're seeing out there, my friend? It, if you had to boil it down into maybe your top five nuggets of saying, hey, how, how do I tame the beast and uh, get on the right side of the equation versus uh, being the curmudgeon? Well, I think the number one thing, and Gary, you can chime in here if you see this the same thing with you, but your teams, because your customer success, right? You guys are with the client. Is that correct? Yeah, with the client or uh, remotely. But yeah, there's there's points where you know if something goes wrong or they're having a, a major expansion, you have to get on a flight immediately. Right. Uh, and it doesn't matter where it is. It could be anywhere in the world. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, so having a context of flexibility going into it is it's just paramount. So I think the number one thing to recognize is that if there is delay in your aircraft taking off, it's 95% that there is a safety issue. Hmm. And if the safe, if there's a safety issue, I want them to not take off. <laughs> I want them to find the problem. One with the plane, make sure you find the problems with the plane before we get in the air. Okay, that's number one. That's and I don't understand. This is the part that blows me away. So I'll be sitting on an airplane, and the the pilot will go, "Come on, go, click, uh, folks, click, click. We got a little bit of maintenance issue." And then they give you that obligatory twenty minutes. It'll be about twenty minutes before we you know do something, right? Right. Which is always an hour. It's always an hour. Right? Right. <laughs> well, well, let me let me let me challenge you on that, Gary, a little bit. That's your your attitude you're bringing into it. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Right. Okay. Okay. So what I'm saying is, ah. Have a positive attitude. You know what? High five, everybody. Pilots and the systems worked. <laughs> they found the problem before we took off. And right. I'll say that when everybody else is complaining and the whole place shuts down. They, they literally stop complaining. Yeah. And then number two, if there's a other type of safety issue like weather-related or too much traffic, there's a basically top three. Weather-related problem with the plane or there's too much traffic and they're slowing up traffic. Those are the top three for like 95% of all the delays. Mm -hmm. And if that, ha if, if I'm living in that context that they're taking care of me to keep me safe, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm so I, good. I, I totally agree with you. You have to be, you have to go in there with a positive attitude because first of all, none of us are licensed to fly a plane. None of right. us are licensed 
<laughs> to, to fix a plane. And third, when if, if they didn't find the mechanical problem to dis, or they did and said, we're going to fly anyway, I have never, if, maybe there's an airline that provides it, but I have never received a parachute. <laughs> Right, that opens so, up that you can put right. on at 37,000 feet, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Gary. I, I, so that would be one of them. How about you? Do you have one that you have that uh, you like bring it in? That's the top one for you? In, in terms of a, like, a, like a story that's happened? Well, no, like you, know, you got flexibility. I heard was like one of your top ones there. But what, what, do, you, what do you do to yeah. give yourself so, a, an edge here? Yeah. So flexibility, I think having extreme patience, knowing that not everybody on the plane is a business traveler. So you, you really have to go in there and say, okay, grandma or the, the crazy aunt that's on the plane, they've never flown before. They're seating at, seating, sitting at 33F and they think that they need to get first off the plane. Like You have to kind of put those things out of your mind because I've seen people that are experienced travelers just go berserk yeah. similar to, to your example. And that just causes other problems later on, either, you know, trying to deplane or just having that whole mojo that kind of goes in, if, especially if you're connecting onto another flight, it's just, just bad. So for me, I think it's, it's really, you know, you mentioned flexibility for me, it's patience knowing that I can only control what I have control over mm-hmm. and knowing that there's a lot of, um, less experienced travelers on the flight that I just have to let that just happen, you know, at times. And I, and I can't control that. I, you're absolutely right. I think the other one that I found super useful for me, and this is more of a tactical thing, but I, I just try to get as minimal amount of bags and or stuff to carry with me. Oh, absolutely. It's especially if you, let's just say, um, as a business traveler, if you don't have duplicates of everything, mm-hmm. basically a complete toiletry kit that is specifically set aside just for travel, um, often potentially pairs of shoes or shirts and stuff like that to travel with, and a bag that you could pack up and be out the door in five or 10 minutes, male or female, okay, mm-hmm. is super critical. Just, just take the, the edge off of worry. Am I getting the right stuff and packing and stuff? You know, I have a full two weeks rotation of dry cleaning on my shirt. So I'm in front of clients a lot. So I'll wear a dress shirt over a sports jacket. Um, I have a rotation of those. So as soon as I come home, they, that group makes it to the dry cleaners and I pick them up the following week and I rotate out. Um, I'll do, I'll give you a one and on that. And yeah. uh, I actually, I keep the bag in the vehicle at all times. So the, oh, do you? oh yeah. Yeah. So for a number of reasons, right. So up in uh, my neck of the woods, besides the airplane, right. I'll hop a train. I may even drive ah. at a uh, safety scenario saying, okay, I got to go to New York tonight. Um, I got my bag and I'll have a garment bag with me as well. And uh, talk, roll and go. And uh, it's something I picked up early on in the careers saying even after uh, some faux pas, like spilling something at a, a client dinner on you and then looking like a schmuck for the rest of the meeting. Uh, it's not you, Brad. Say it's not so. <laughs> but uh, I, I've, uh, I've gotten down that path where I keep a, uh, a bag packed at all times in the back of the truck. Uh, Prior girlfriends of mine have thought I've been crazy, but it's like, hey, when you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a bug out bag. I mean, I, I, I do the same thing. If I, I actually prefer, if I can take a duffel bag, you know, yeah. uh, that versus taking my roll on, which I can still bring on the plane, I'd prefer to do that. I've perfected on how to completely roll an entire suit and and fit it into certain nooks and crannies, and I can take a couple of those. Same thing. I keep a extra shaving kit, and um, I also just I, I've actually ditched the laptop bag. I, I just go with a portfolio case to cover my laptop and I, that fits in there as well. And I'm gone. It just minimal is, is all I need on top of, you know, my other little supplement tricks that I do, um, you know, that I carry with me. That's, that's ready to go at a, at a moment's notice. So I, I'm, I'm in the same, same boat. Like, you know, if I have to go to the dry cleaner, those types of things pretty frequently, um, depending upon the rotation, uh, you know, I've just got that all labeled out and, you know, in and out, in and out, just a, it's like a machine factory. It is. You know, one of the things that, that you, you just triggered me on, on two things. The first one was supplements. Mm. So um, I really didn't get into a balanced supplement regimen until I started traveling heavily in this last 10 years or so. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in my 50s, so I, have, uh, I, I don't bounce back as easily as I did when I was a little bit more elastic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I started taking supplements and now I have it to a point where I have a number of supplements that help me with my eating balance because mm. I'm not always going to hit exactly the same food structures as I do. And I found that the, the supplements really helped with that, specifically yeah. like micro greens and stuff like that. Um, and the other piece, this was really interesting. This was from a woman. I, and I was talking to a, a lady on a plane. Uh, you can always target somebody who you know is an expert traveler just by the way they dress and their, and their bags. You just know, right? You can just see yeah. them. And she was like five foot nothing, right? She's, she's small. And I asked her, I asked her the standard questions and I, you know, introduction. And I say, Hey, I'm writing a book. It's called the Zen of, of high performance travel. And besides all the normal stuff, like eat right, get sleep, you know, drink water, that type of thing. Um, what do you do? And she says, well, I'm not tall enough to put the bags in the overhead. Okay. And I went, I went, well, okay. Me being six foot, I, that never even crossed my mind. First off, duh. Okay. Number two, she says, um, plus I don't like having people asking people to do it for me. And I go, really? She says, yeah, yeah, I just don't like it. I said, okay, fair enough. I said, what are you doing? She said, I check my bag. I said, and then my first red flag went off. Well, you check your bag. And she goes, they don't, you know, maybe I've lost it one out of 30 or 40 times, but they don't really lose it. It's just not where I am. Okay. <laughs> they, she has enough identification on it and they know where it is. It just didn't go to where she wanted it. And she had a couple of things. She says, first off, that half hour that I save of not having to rush on the plane, not having to rush off the plane, I used to call family members and close friends. Hmm. Okay. And she's dedicated her communication time with those, uh, with all of her relations during that time. And I said, how's it worked out? And she says, it's fantastic. I, I cherish these times just because I check a bag. And she says, and, and when they do lose my bag, they pay you to go shop. This is something I didn't know. I did not know that. Yeah. That, that all the airlines, especially if you got status, if you got status, they typically will do anywhere from 150 to 200 bucks immediately to help you get a pair of uh, pants, shirt. If you're a guy dress for a lady, whatever you, your clothing attires are, uh, potentially shoes, socks, underwear, that type of stuff immediately. Like even if it's just for one day. Wow. I know. 
See, I learned something. I've flown for years and I've never known that probably because I never check a bag. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, Brad, but uh, um, as men, we don't think about the challenges for people who are not able to move and lift bags and stuff like that. You know, that's, it's a, and now that I've become aware of it through this book writing process, I see it all the time. Yeah. It, and I tell you that whole concept of not being, have to be the first one on to fight for the limited space yep. and that whole concept of, Hey, let's uh, enjoy the process and use that uh, serene time to do, let's say more disconnected work. Uh, mm -hmm. That's, that's where I kind of try to focus my efforts on as well, because I, I, I take a break from the technology, uh, may, maybe read a book, uh, maybe sketch, do, do something where, hey, you don't have to be staring at a screen um, in those scenarios. So, what, um, so, so, Gary, what do you do? To, to, and I'll ask you next, Brad, but what's, what's yeah. the, what do you do in that time when you get on the plane and you're able to actually plug in? There's probably like a half hour there. Are you reading or you, what are you doing? No, I, I feel <laughs> probably 50% of the time I'm on a conference call and I'm that guy as, as I'm boarding the plane, but I'm very respectful. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very, but I am respectful. I'm not shouting into my phone. Oh God, and, yeah. And I say, hey, you know, and I, I know that, you know, if I am putting a bag overhead to be very mindful of this because I am the guy on the phone. And I, I explain to the folks on the, on the other line, I may have to disconnect very shortly. I just boarded. And I sit down, but I, I'm constantly looking around because I, you always get an aisle seat because I have, I have very broad shoulders and uh, I'm waiting for the person because if I have status, they're going to be coming in at the middle and, and the, uh, the window seat. So I'm always looking for them if I'm on the phone. But then I would say um, after that, I'm probably, you know, just I'm, I'm drinking some water. I'm probably just looking around the plane. I try to like zone out a little bit because if I can, if I can catch you know, a 20 minute quick snooze as soon as we take off, then I'm good. Cause that's the only time I'll ever sleep on a plane is the Are first two minutes. Oh, isn't that crazy? I'm the same way. It's like getting a tarmac's like a sleep. Yeah. Aid. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's like when it takes off, like the, the most loudest point of the plane, I'm, I'm out like a baby. And then as soon as you know, we hit the cruising altitude, I wake up and I can't fall back asleep. Oh, that's so funny. I'm the same way. Brad, no do way. you sleep on the, uh, are you, Brad, do you sleep oh. like that? Oh yeah, I can, uh, but I go for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the snorer next to us? No, I, I, I'm not that guy, but uh, once, uh, once we push away, I'm out uh, for at least a good hour. Um, I typically will miss the first beverage service or something of that nature. Oh, Bravo. But that's, and, you're, you're the only other guy I've ever had a, at least personal relationship that was like me in that sense. My wife hates me because of that. Right. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, she just I'm, goes, mine too. How do you, how do you do that? She had actually, she selfied us while I was doing that and stuck it on, you know, <laughs> Facebook. And then all her friends were bagging on me because this guy put something in his mouth. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. You mentioned uh wife. So you know, my wife, we, we've traveled together as a family, you know, a few times and she does not like to travel with me because I have a system. I'm down and she's like, this is too stressful. I'm like, no, it's actually pretty easy. I said, but you know, I'll slow it down a little bit, but they, because she's not into that regiment, I, I sometimes right. forget, you know, the whole process, you know, she's, she's going for enjoyment. I'm thinking, you know, it's a regular Monday. That's really interesting. My wife, same way and my family. And so I have to mindfully slow down in the airport. Yeah. Cause I'm, cause I'm walking, I got long strides and 
I turn around and she's like five or six, you know, people behind me lost in the crowd. And <laughs> that happened like three times before divorce was on the next topic. Right. <laughs> so, so it, I, I just, I just had a real challenge with that. Um, there was another piece of the stories. I have so many stories. I mean, there's just, they're just endless. I can't um, wait to read it. Yeah. Well, it's really cool, but you nailed it right there. So the difference between your wife and us is the purpose of the book. Okay. Okay. So, so Brad, you obviously got a system. It's working for you, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. happy with it. I, but I'm the, I, I'm always tweaking it, man. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, Massaging it and then uh, guilty pleasure, uh, metaphor, metaphor.co. I'll go on there, look for the next greatest travel bag or the great next great snack to bring with you or something of that nature and, ah, and uh, yeah. continue, continue to tweak it out. Uh, Chase Reeves, uh, great, uh, great uh, videographer and uh, great opinions on uh, what you need to survive the travel uh, from – Tech, uh, tech carry stuff to food to water bottles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So all that tactical stuff I yeah. left off, I'll leave out of the book because I don't want the book to be time bound. I okay, so I want it to be a timeless thing that if you're traveling 50 years ago or 50 years from now, I wanted those examples to, to, to continue, right? Mm. That you can do these things uh, because there's always going to be some new tech or new technique or something like that that you can do. Um, but I, but I think the, like, what do you do with your own time in that space, Gary, that we were just talking about and what you do, Brad, when you fall asleep lately, I have got into a couple of mind games, mind challenging games. Um, like, like jewel is one of my favorites, right? It's just, and it's a very, very good exercise, but it's brain numbing at the same time. But I feel like I'm actually exercising a piece of my brain at the same time because of the way optically. So I'm, I really take that 10 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes to do that. And then I'm into my connected, connected time. If I'm on the plane and I can do that, but uh, it seems to work out. Other people I've watched, I've noticed around them, they all have their own little thing they do in that, that break, you know, mm. uh, in the time. Do you, any of you guys listen to audible like books on, you know, yeah. audio books? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do. I do now. It's great. Oh my God, it is a traveler's dream as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's, it's the boost in productivity plus uh, the thing I, I, I've done in the past, which probably hasn't helped, um, I try to just single task with it. If I'm doing something else and listening to Audible, uh, in my mind, I'm not getting the full enjoyment out, out of the book. So I got to be more purposeful uh, with it. Uh, specifically if I'm traveling, right? Because I could be thumbing through a magazine or something of that nature. I found with me, it's just, uh, I get uh, shiny object syndrome and going, oh, what was that? What did someone say? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a, so I I am a big fan of um, uh, Evernote for taking my stories down. So while I'm standing there talking to somebody, I say, hey, do you mind if I take notes? I pop in Evernote and I got a Zen of high performance travel folder and I've got just a ton of them stuff. Um, so by the way, the last seat to be filled on an airplane, you know what it is? Anybody want to guess? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. The deadhead seat. Uh, or, uh, I don't know. I want to say, uh, right, right in front of the bathroom. How's that? Nope. Okay. So here they are on the whole airplane. There's actually two seats that will be the last ones filled. 
it'll be the seats in front of the exit row in the center because they don't recline. Correct. Okay. And the seat right behind it on the exit row, if there's two exit rows, that seat too, because it won't recline. So ideally, if you don't want to, your highest likelihood of not being, having somebody next to you, if not every seat's filled, your highest likelihood of, of not having a person next to you, which I will take, by the way, over a first class upgrade. I like the emptiness of the whole space next to me. I can spread out like that. There's a lot of bennies that come with having no seat next to you, yeah. at least my personal preference. Um, but typically you'll see the one in front of the exit row. Um, the center seat will be the last one. So if you take the aisle or the window on either side of the plane, you're have the highest likelihood of being on a seat that won't have somebody next to you. I did not know that. That'd be good. Cause I use, I use seat guru. Do you guys use that, that app? Occasionally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's good as you're getting ready to book the flight to actually see, okay, there's a bulkhead issue here, or this is where the exit row is based on what you're trying to buy online. Mm-hmm. And so that's good to know. Cause then you could kind of cross reference that um, piece of fact there to, you know, when you're booking in using Seeker, cause I, I love using that app just it's, depending upon the make and model of the plane um, and some of the airlines, you know, I, if I can't always fly my preferred airline and I'm on one that I'm not as familiar with and, and not as familiar with the equipment. Um, I like it for that. How about you, Brad? What's your favorite seat, Brad? Oh, I, I'm a sort of, uh, I, and actually it's, it may be unpopular. I may, I try to uh, get over the wing and uh, typically a window seat is my, is my jam. Um, I like to get in, nestle in, and then uh, let folks uh, come in and around me. That's probably uh, my, my jam as the, as the kids would say these days. Um, is this way, A, a I'm, I'm a kind of a bigger guy, so I want to be out of the way. And uh, two, uh, it allows me to just uh, get right down to business or, or pleasure as it may be. Yep. How about you, Gary? As long as it's on an aisle seat, I'm fine. And, and I'm somewhat similar to Brad. I want to be on the aisle seat just so I have the flexibility to use the restroom and not have to disrupt and interrupt anybody climbing over them. So especially if it's an early morning flight and I've probably downed a pint of coffee before I got to the airport, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to inconvenience anybody else. So as long as it's an aisle seat, I'm, I'm fine no matter where it is on the, on the plane. All right. I'm going to leave you guys with one last tip that I've been going through the list here. I've been trying to pick out some of the ones that I think they've been the most like effective. This is a personal one. Um, it came to me when I was in Newark, um, early morning, go to the airport and we're heading to drop off at uh, departures and I eyeballed the departure lane and it was all back. If you guys ever been to Newark, the, mm. the drop offs there are just, they're, they're working on it. Let's just say that it's a work in <laughs> process over in Newark, New Jersey. Anyway, um, the United terminal is pretty big. There's a lot of flights going in and out of there. And it was all backed up and stuff like that. And I said, told the, the Uber driver, I said, go down to departures, drop me off down there. He goes, really? And I said, yeah, no one's there. Not departures, excuse me, arrivals. Go down to arrivals. Nobody's there. It was completely empty. Mm-hmm. And I dawned on me, what the heck am I doing following the herd up to departures when I could easily go down to arrivals and just take the escalator up? That's a great idea. Okay, so I started employing this strategy everywhere I go, and there's a, a certain motion that I've been detecting. Mornings, always 
drop off at, at arrivals because no one comes in usually early in the morning. No one's landing by that time. Everybody's taken off. Sure. Okay. And then in the afternoons and evenings, always go up to departures because everybody's usually landing by that time. So you alternate, ask yourself, when is the timing and, and when was the highest likelihood that either or is going to be the most congested? And so it doesn't matter because, you know, 30 seconds, you're either up or you're down in departures or arrivals. It doesn't matter. And so that was a trick that um, I think that has turned out to save me the most time and aggravation of all the tricks that I've had to get involved <laughs> That's with. unbelievable. It was, yeah. It seems so stupid, <laughs> but I just sit there and I get my, I looked at my, you know, when you realize that, oh my God, the herd mentality of victims, yep. this is yeah. what I call it, herd mentality of victims, <laughs> okay, <laughs> is so prevalent in human beings. Well, of course, we've got to go to the departures aisle. No, you don't. No. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to do that at all. Stop thinking like a herd and go do something different. Lemmings, my friend. Lemmings. Oh, my God. <laughs> so hopefully, I, I, so I hope all the listeners are getting something out of this because you know, there's another hundred stories after this. And I'm trying to see if we can't get it out to get it out the press and stuff like that. But I'm looking, I'm working on getting a ghostwriter because uh, you know, we all got day jobs and I'm not a professional author and like that. Maybe if I can get United airlines to sponsor it and help me out here. Cause uh, I've been, I've been, no, seriously, I'm a, been a very, uh, been a, I'm a million miler on United. I'm a one K um, flyer for years. And so I like United. United's always been very good to me. Um, I'm good to them and they're good to me. And so if, if anybody from the United is listening, <laughs> come give me a call, man. Look me up on LinkedIn, man. Maybe you guys can sponsor this book or something. <laughs> Let me get a little bit of cash to get up on going. Well, let's, uh, let's segue then. A great call, Robert. But, and Gary, as always, uh, thanks for joining us. So uh, let's, Robert, I'll have you go first. Where can uh, United and others connect with you? <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug, man. I never knew we were going to get to that stage on this one. All right. Um, you can get me at robert.christensen at uh, hpe.com or you can go on LinkedIn. Uh, just look me up, Robert Christensen. That's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-S-E-N. Look me up and uh, LinkedIn or ping me that way. So anybody the United officials, you know how to find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a great episode. Gary, oh can they find you, man? Yeah, yeah, you can always find me on uh, Twitter at G Sloper uh, or on LinkedIn, uh, G Sloper as well. And if you want to send me an email, it's just gary.sloper at oracle.com. Oh, perfect, guys. Well, uh, as always, thanks for uh, having some fun with us today. And uh, thanks to the great listeners out there. Feel free to connect with me at my website, bradlumis.net, for all my socials with any questions, concerns, or comments. And this wraps us up. Uh, we got to do another nice. one of these guys. Oh yeah, well, I think we got to do a part two. You know, maybe just, yeah. just to keep this thing going here. But yeah. especially, especially when the book publishes, I, I I'm exactly. honored to just be in this conversation right now. So I, I want to hear all about the book, and I would love to come back. Yeah, okay. Gary. Well, hey, thanks for being with us, man. That's fun. Yeah. Well, let me do the readout. Uh, that wraps us up for today. Don't forget to go to cloudtp.com for current cloud news, links to this podcast, and more ways to contact us directly. And for cloud news delivered directly to your inbox every Friday morning. Visit cloudtp.com forward slash stopper to sign up for the weekly report. And as always, my friends out there, take care and make it a great day. <laughs>